0: Good morning, family. I'd like to thank Mark for that excellent scripture reading and Brother Luke for his singing. It's hard to hear that last song without moving, especially the way he leads it. It's always a good and pleasant sight to see God's people together. To those who are kind enough to visit with us, we are so grateful for your presence. You are an encouragement to us. We hope to be an encouragement and a blessing to you. And if you have not had opportunity, if this is your first time visiting with us, for example, we urge you, if you would be so kind as to fill out a visitor's card in the pew in front of you and give it to me after the service. And stay around for a minute or two so we get a chance to chit-chat with you. Uh, Concerning the visitors, and and a a brother who has not been here for a while and has come back to visit with us, I'd like to stop now and say a prayer, if you would please bow. Dear Lord, we ask your kindness and blessings on those who visit with us, that they draw nearer to you, love you evermore, realize how much you love them, and bless them in every aspect of their lives, my Lord. We ask that you be with our brother Mark Moore and watch over him and heal him and guide him and give him wisdom and bless him in his steps, O God, to draw ever nearer to you. Please be with him and be with us all, O God, because we need you so much. We love you too, O God. Thank you for making up for all our lack. In Jesus' dear name, amen. Thank you for that. I'd like to talk to you this morning about the good old days. Now, when I say the good old days, that's a subject that it, it seems that the older a person gets the more likely they are to dwell on the good old days. They want to talk about it, reminisce, hear about the, the stories. And I've noticed two tendencies concerning the good old days. One is for older folks, and one is for younger folks. For older folks, it's two things. Everything that's old was good or better than everything that's new and everything that's new is likewise bad or at least worse than what's old. For younger folks, it is that the old folks don't know what they're talking about because they got no clue about what's going on today. Can you identify with that? So I'm gonna talk about the good old days, bearing in mind those two tendencies. I'll try to avoid them, but I might not. (laughs) the good old days I'm really talking about my good old days and you would say to yourself "Well, Carl's talking about the good old days when he had hair and he was much lighter well that was true many years ago but I'm not really talking about my good old days in that regard I'm talking about my good old days in regard to my church experiences in regard to church you see I was raised Catholic, um, typical Catholic. We believed what the church said and we went to church the two required times of year, Christmas and Easter. That was it. When we went to church, however often that was, we would smile, nod, put a dollar in the collection basket when it was passed around numerous times, and go home. Rinse, lather, repeat just like shampoo. When I was 21, I was blessed to become a Christian. Uh, that was 81, 1981. So I've been a Christian for some 36 years. I've been a member of congregations outside the state of Maryland, multiple congregations, and multiple congregations in the state of Maryland. And I, my family and I have been here for some, 20 years ongoing thereabouts. So I've seen a lot, have a lot of experience with that. And I want to tell you about there was a time here in this church where we had to have more than one morning service because the building could not comfortably accommodate all the folks that were here. We had to put folding chairs out in the lobby to accommodate folks. And then we had to go to multiple services. So I want you to think of that. If you weren't a part of that, to look around and imagine that situation. That's what we had. Now, there was a warmth and an enthusiasm and a zeal for the word of God that I fondly recall. Now I want you to understand, look at our situation, morning worship 72. I'm not singling out the Annapolis Church of Christ because sadly, amongst the churches of Christ, this is the situation all over. There are places down south where there are areas where there's multiple churches and they've had to come together to form one church just to hold on. A few days ago, I read an internet headline that said Baptist churches in decline, Catholic church in decline, and you'll see if you've seen the commercials. uh, Come back home. They're they're putting out commercials now because they're in decline. It seems that church attendance and people being religious is way down, and either people are that way or they go to a community church, especially a mega church, a generic church, if at all. That is the current situation. I know, I told you about the trends, so I'm, that is worse, definitely worse. The question is, if we're ever going to get back to the good old days, quote-unquote, I won't use air quotes, I hate air quotes, the good old days, such as that. There's three things that I'm going to recommend you do that I've seen in my lifetime. Those three things are, one, make a friend. Two, find a service. And three, keep building the ark. Keep building the ark. So I want to talk about these three recommendations today. The first thing is to make a friend. And our first verse this morning is going to be 3 John verse 13 and 14. So if you would please turn with me in your Bibles. And that's 3 John, Jude Revelation. If you're in Jude Revelation, turn back. 3 John is just one chapter. Make a friend. And here John writes in verse, I'll start from verse 13 to 14. I have much to write to you, but I do not want to do so with pen and ink. I hope to see you soon, and we will talk face to face. Peace to you. The friends here send their greetings. Here's the part. Greet the friends there by name. Greet the friends there by name. Now I want to tell you, this is a dangerous verse for me. Because I am terrible with names. And I'll share a story from my childhood. I, I have an older brother, he's five years older than me. His name is Michael. I have also three sisters older than me. And my mother used to call me by my brother's name all the time. His name is Michael. And it really bugged me. And finally, as a teenager, one day I got indignant with her. (laughs) Imagine that, a teenager getting indignant with a parent. But I got indignant with her and said, do not call me by that name again. My name is Carl. And she said, that's it. From now on, I have one son. His name is Carmichael. When I say that name, I expect both of you to answer. So I swore to myself, I will never be like that and get my children's name wrong. So, I've been blessed with a son, Mark, and a daughter, Mary, and of course, I've gotten their names wrong. You know, it's one thing when, you know, it's brothers, it's the same gender, Carl Michael, It's another thing when it's different genders, Mark, Mary, and you still get it wrong. So I'm telling you, I am terrible with names. I don't know if it's genetic or learned. But if your name is Sue and I happen to refer to you as Bob or Rashawn, for example, or vice versa, please forgive me. It's just, that's my tendency. The point of this, in greeting each other by name, is not to necessarily have a, role like a Rolodex or some similar uh, device, but to greet one another personally. Not impersonal, but personal. And that's a basis for a friendship. Let's, talk about an, let's look at another verse that talks about greeting one another. And that's Romans 16, 16. So Acts, Romans, Corinthians, Romans 16:16. 16, 16. Now, when I say Romans 16:16 16, 16 to an old-timer, they're going to say they'll read this last half of this verse here that says all the churches of Christ send greetings, and that's the verse where we get the name of our assembly, Church of Christ. What God calls the assembly, we do well to call the assembly ourselves and not some made-up man-made name. But that's not the part of the verse I want to emphasize. The part I want to emphasize is the first part. Greet one another with a holy kiss. And that's not a fluke verse. That verse is repeated often, about a half dozen times in the New Testament. Now, I am not saying to you or suggesting that if we all start kissing one another, our attendance will go up by hundreds and hundreds. In that region of the world, in that day and age, and even to today in the Middle East, it is common for men to greet men and women to greet women and men to greet women with the kiss on the cheeks. When you see presidents and kings and officials greet one another, that is how they greet one another. It was a custom of the time. The point is not the specific greeting. Handshakes and hugs are wonderful. It's that it is a greeting with warmth. And again, it's a similar thought to greeting one another by name. It's like it's a breeding ground, if you will, a climate for friendship if we do these things. It's as if we are God's greenhouse. We are the the plants in God's greenhouse, and he's growing us. He's growing us as Christians and as friends to one another. Let's look at another verse in... um, Romans 12. So turn with me a few chapters prior to Romans 12. And I want to read to you from verse 16. In Romans 12, verse 16, Paul writes, Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. And that can also be translated, willing to do menial work, labor, blue-collar work. Do not be conceited. You see that a lot today, unfortunately. Verse 18. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Now that's good for a Christian to do. That's also good. That's the kind of person you want to befriend, to make a friend of. This is describing a person who's easy to get along with. How easy is it to make a friend with a troublemaker? How much do you desire that? You've looked at a person and you say, said, oh, well, they're trouble. They're always troublemakers. You want to be their friend? You want to be close with them? But this is a person that's described the way we should be, and it's a climate for friendship. Now, here's a sign or a litmus test, if you will, of friendship. Go back to verse 15. And Paul writes, rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Some verses will say, versions will say, laugh with those who laugh and cry with those who cry. It's talking about the appropriate response to the situation. You don't walk up to strangers and hug them and start crying. You do that with the people you're close with. I hate to hear a Christian say, something good happened to me and I didn't wanna share it with other people at church because I was afraid they'd think I was gloating over them. They would take it the wrong way. I am so happy to hear of good things happening to my brothers and sisters. That's the way it should be. It's wonderful when they get that promotion of this good things happen, especially good news from the doctor, things of that nature. And likewise, they have a tragedy a loss, a mourning. We had to laugh with those who laugh and cry with those who cry. That's what friendship is all about. I hope you have someone here that you can do that with. And if not, I hope you can make that friend. Number one, make a friend. Number two, find a service. Find something to do. You know, when I was a child in the house, we didn't have cable, internet, you know, video games or none of that. There was a 12-inch black and white TV, if you're lucky, and five channels. My children can't believe that. Five channels. And to be stuck in the house was like being in jail. Find something to do. Go out and play. Okay? And it was safer then. You could do that. We are to find something to do in the church. Turn with me, if you would to well verse 4 and i'm going to read of chapter 12 verse 4 just as each of us has one body with many members and these members do not all have the same function after all your ear doesn't do what your arm does your leg doesn't do what your eye does you have one body but you have many parts many members and they do different things So in Christ, we who are many form one body. And each member belongs to all the others. We all belong to each other. You might say we're stuck with each other. We all belong to each other. That is a gift from God. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. I want to point out as an aside that there are seven things mentioned. Whenever the Bible mentions seven things, there is a symbolism there, a symbolic meaning. We won't go into that this morning, that's for another sermon, but it's here as well. There's a symbolic meaning here. But notice when it's ta- when God's talking about these gifts, you know, I'm, I'm a big NFL fan, I love the Ravens, and you'll hear talk about, they'll talk about an athlete having the gift of running a 40 yard dash in 4.4 seconds or less, or they can bench press 500 pounds, or you have some six foot four, 330 pound man, and he's got nimble feet. He can dance. And they talk about that as having gifts. That's not the way the Bible talks about gifts. Notice for all these seven things listed, it's something for someone else. It's to serve others. It's not being generous to yourself, it's not teaching yourself, it's teaching others, serving others. So, oddly, if I said to you, today I'm giving you the gift of coming to my house, mowing my lawn, and doing the dishes, you would say, oh, thanks a lot, but I think I'll pass on that. That's not much of a gift. But when God says, I'm giving you the gift to serve others, it truly is a gift. It's a blessing. And we find many blessings in doing that. It's a gift from God. And I want to point out nobody can do everything nobody it's humbling i'd like to think i could but i can't but everybody can do something everybody has a function and a purpose even if you don't know it now and you haven't found it yet everybody can do something let's look at a related verse and that's in ephesians chapter four so if you would please turn with me corinthians galatians ephesians philippians And in Ephesians chapter 4, I want to read to you again about gifts, starting in verse 7. And Paul writes, but to each one of us, grace, that is God's favor, his kindness, has been given as Christ apportioned it. He portions it out. So again, there's the idea that serving is a gift from God. This is why it says when he ascended on high, that is when he... When Jesus went to heaven, he led captives in his train and gave gifts to men. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions, that is, when he died and was buried. He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. It was he who gave, here's the gifts, some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers. To prepare God's people for works of service, so that the body of Christ, here's the purpose, may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God, and becoming mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. You ever seen a, a leaf in the wind? Okay, well as Christians, we shouldn't be like that. We sh- oh, oh, okay, we should believe that now. You know, I just saw on TV recently that they did a rerun of uh, Jim Jones, who led his followers to kill themselves by drinking poison Kool-Aid. They were leaves in the wind very sad. we don't want to be blown about like leaves in the wind by falsehood and wrong teaching instead speaking the truth in love we will in all things grow up into him who is the head that is christ from him the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work that's an important phrase there as each part does its work you know if if your leg doesn't function you say you have a gimp leg it it doesn't function we are made to function notice our purpose is this is our goal that we're all united in the faith and we're all mature that's what we work for you know have you ever had to do busy work at work just to fill the time i hate that i want to work with a purpose we are to work with a purpose That purpose is to build each other up until... And here's the the deadline, the goal. We're all united and we're all mature. In other words, we're always going to be working. (laughs) Until every person, every Christian is mature and we are united in Christ. Notice pastors and teachers, for example. That doesn't mean that everything goes right honky-dory. You know, there's going to be times when things go wrong. When people think you're totally wrong, they want to argue with you, they think you're stupid, et cetera, et cetera, It's still a gift from God, our service to one another. So my thought to you is this, to find a service, whatever it is. As I said before, we're not all good at everything, and none of us are good at everything. But we're all good at something, even something that you might say is too trivial. It's insignificant it could be something as simple as making sure all the songbooks are straight after service taking the numbers down they've had announcements the elders for preparing the communion greeting a visitor saying hey we're so glad that you're here praying for the people that are announced that have troubles and trials things be creative, that you can think up to do for someone, writing a card, I'm the worst card writer in the world, letter writer. Something, there is something that you can do. And I will give this thought as well. There should never be a time when there is a shortage of men to serve publicly. There should never be a situation where the men are not trained and comfortable serving. I'm not serving before a hostile crowd. I'm hope i not serving for that. All the brothers up here are serving to family that wish them well and want them to do well, that are pulling and cheering for them. We are all pulling for each other. Don't be shy about that. Be creative. Find your service. Ask God, and you will get that service. Lastly, I want to say this. Number three, keep building the ark. Please turn with me to the book of Genesis, chapter 5. The story of Noah, of course, in referring to the ark. Now, I want to read to you briefly some excerpts from this story. It's it's found in chapter 5, 6, 7, 8, and 9. I'm not going to read all that. But I want to read just a few verses to give you the feel and the flavor of the situation in Noah's day. In Genesis chapter 5, starting in verse 32, Noah was 500 years old, and he became the father of Shem, Ham, and Jepheth. Verse chapter 6, 1. When men began to increase in numbers on the earth, and daughters were born to them, the sons of God saw that the daughters of men were beautiful, and they married any of them they chose. Verse 5. The Lord saw how great man's wickedness on the earth had become and that every inclination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil all the time. Talk about the good old days. Someone whose only inclination of their thoughts is only evil all the time. We have a phrase for someone like that. It's someone that's no good and they're up to no good. So God is saying all of mankind is no good. That's pretty bad. No good. Verse 8, but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. This is the account of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked with God. Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Jepheth. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight and was full of violence. God saw how corrupt the earth had become. For all the people on earth had corrupted their ways. What a terrible situation. So God said to Noah, I'm going to put an end to all people. For the earth is filled with violence because of them. I am surely going to destroy both them and the earth. So make yourself an ark. And in verse 22, and Noah did everything just as God commanded. The Lord then said to Noah, chapter 7 go into the ark you and your whole family because i have found you righteous in this generation verse 6 noah was 600 years old when the flood waters came on the earth noah was building the ark for 100 years longer than anybody here has been alive and verse 21 every living thing that moved on the earth perished Birds, livestock, wild animals, all the creatures that swarm over the earth, and all mankind. Everything on dry land that had the breath of life in its nostrils died. Every living thing on the face of the earth was wiped out. Men and animals and the creatures that move along the ground and the birds of the air were wiped from the earth. Only Noah was left and those with him in the ark. I want to ask you a question what happens if Noah gives up? If Noah says, Lord, it's been a hundred years. You've told me to build an ark on dry ground. It's never rained. What am I gonna do with this giant boat on dry ground? Everyone's making fun of me. Everyone mocks me and mistreats me and my family. They think I'm either crazy or stupid or both. My children have nobody good to play with. They're all dishonest, drunkards, and thieves or worse. Everyone looks down on us. A hundred years I've been building this ark. I've had enough. Not only does everybody outside the ark die, but everybody in the ark that's not finished dies as well. There's no you and me, and mankind is gone, lost. But Manoah didn't give up. He kept building that ark and God brought him into a new world that was cleansed from evil. So I say to you, when things are down, think about Noah, never give up, keep building the ark. So I say to you in conclusion, if you long for the good old days, when we're busting out of the seams and people are flocking to hear God's word, A a feeling of family and friendship and warmth. Make a friend. Find a friend here, as much as you can. You can't force it, but find a friend. Find a service. There's something good that you can do, and God values it. If other people don't, God does. And remember, Noah, keep building the ark and never give up. God will bless you richly for it. To anyone who's not a Christian, I say this. We welcome you to help to join us and help us build the ark. In Acts chapter 2, I love to read from this because it's the first giving of the gospel message and it's the most detailed. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 36, Peter says, Therefore let all Israel be assured of this, God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. That is, be sure Jesus Christ is Lord. He is the maker of heaven and earth. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? That's the most important question ever asked. Peter replied, Repent. That is to change your mind. No longer am I going to live my life my way. I'm going to live God's way. That's what matters. And be baptized. That is be, to be dipped, to be immersed in water. Every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And in verse 31, those who accepted his message were baptized. And about 3,000 were added to their number that day. If you're not a Christian, please don't walk out of here not being a Christian. Please join us. Please join God. Be his friend. And come forward now while we stand and sing the invitation song.